0: Your number one Dynasty Fantasy Football podcast featuring Aaron and Anthony. On behalf of 32-Bit, I would like to welcome you to the Dynasty A-Team.
1: Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It is that time of the week again for your favorite band of brothers to talk Dynasty Fantasy Football, specifically the draft. I am Anthony Winners, joined by Aaron Nyhart and Garrett Liette. Gentlemen, how do we feel about the draft?
2: You know, I mean, being a Steeler fan, this is uh, probably going to be one of the top moments for me this season, if I had to be honest. We we just came out of the draft, and for the first time, we got a new GM. Kevin Colbert's gone. Omar, the con artist, is in, and uh, we really hit a home <laughs> run this draft, I feel like. I mean, lots of value, um, filled a lot of needs, and, and I'm feeling feeling pretty good right now as a Steeler fan. Yeah,
1: man, I, I bet. You know, I would love to say that the highlight of my weekend was actually the draft, but Aaron, I don't know if you know this, but I got a call on Sunday from Garrett. I was sitting out at a restaurant. I was having, having some Mexican food. It was really, really good. I get a call, and he asks me about our favorite baseball team, the Cincinnati Reds. Um, Garrett, I want to ask how you're doing. What, what did you do on Sunday? Please elaborate and explain to everybody what you did.
0: Uh, yeah, we, we had a pretty good time on Sunday. Um, have you guys heard of the 999 challenge?
2: Is that the nine uh, nine hot dogs, nine beers, exactly. nine, nine innings?
0: Yeah, so so you have to eat nine hot dogs, drink nine beers, uh, in the duration of nine innings, and that, those are all the rules. And don't throw up. Um, <laughs> don't so throw up. Uh, we uh, yeah we, we did that, me and my my roommate and I, and then we we podcasted the whole thing. I'm going through and editing it right now, um, but we were feeling pretty good come. 7 o'clock yesterday.
1: Oh, so just to kind of, just to kind of recap what had happened. Garrett told me that he ended up drinking all nine of his beers. He said they were Michelob's, which is fine. Yep. That's good. But then he said he only ate seven hot dogs.
0: Yeah, he yeah. Said,
1: he said when he got to that sixth hot dog, Aaron, he was just absolutely horrified to be looking at another hot
0: dog. Oh, I, I could tell (laughs) right around hot dog three or four was when I really started to slow down. And the last hot dog took me, I went ahead on it. Actually, it took me probably, uh, an inning and a half or so to, to put it down. And, um, yeah, that was when, uh, my body told me no more. And, uh, I, I lost at that point in time, but, uh, (laughs) Curtis lost before me. So did did you did you uh, puke?
2: That's that's the question that I'm looking to hear. Into.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's how I lost. You puked? Oh yeah, dude. It was it was bad, um, buddy.
1: I didn't it, know that. You didn't share that.
0: Oh, I thought I thought I told you last night. Um, uh, the details from what I said and did not say last night are a little fuzzy, but yeah, I did. I I, I yacked. Um, <laughs> it was it was weird. It kind of came on quick. Like I wasn't feeling super good in general. Um, But I was like, I'm fine. I don't want to throw up. I don't need to throw up. And it was a span of about two minutes where my body went from, you're good, you're good, to, all right, it's time to get in the bathroom.
1: So Aaron, his roommate, which is also a really good friend of ours, he ended up drinking nine beers as well. But this man, the powerhouse, the steel stomach, 11 hot dogs. 11?
2: 11? This man loves hot dogs. Hot was he was he just out to too. like make up for your slack? <laughs>
0: what was going on with that? Or was this a taunt? Dude, I I I don't know. We were drunk and I was probably yelling at him and he was like, "I'll eat your hot dogs." And he's he is now competing with T Higgins to be the primary glizzy gobbler of Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs>
1: Uh gentlemen, I'm glad that we could start it off that way. I am excited to talk tonight about our favorite fantasy landing spots and our least favorite landing spots from this draft. Aaron, go ahead and start us off. Give me your first favorite landing spot. Uh, so I think uh,
2: there's quite a few players that, that had some advantageous landing spots during this draft process. process but um, for me, when I was kind of looking at some of my favorites, I looked at whose stock um whose stock went up the most just on draft day for me. So not necessarily okay. what was the ne- the the best match, um, matchup wise or anything like that, but just whose stock took off like a rocket ship. And I think for me, starting in the first round, um, my favorite pick was probably Quentin Johnston to the Los Angeles chargers. Um, I love that
1: pick.
2: Obviously in the first round, we had the four back to back to back to back wide receivers and, uh, in that mix, I think you had some good fits in there. Maybe maybe one that's not so great that we'll touch on here in a bit. But I think for Quentin Johnston going to the Chargers, it's a high-flying offense. You've got Justin Herbert, who averages just under 4,700 yards a season um, so far through three years. And then you've got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Keenan Allen, who's played uh, two full healthy seasons in his nine-season career, and Mike Williams two has also only played two full healthy seasons in his six-year career. So, whether or not you think Quint- Quentin Johnston's going to face any kind of competition with Josh Palmer for that wide receiver three position, it may not matter a good chunk of the games just because it is a rare occurrence when Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are both on the field at the same time, completely healthy.
1: Yeah, I actually didn't know that they had only played in two full, like two full healthy seasons. Uh, that That is actually news to me. I found that really interesting. My big thing with Quentin Johnston is this dude is an absolute athlete he can play he has great rack ability he's physical at the high point of the ball he catches everything with his hands there's very very few if any body catches not a lot of focus drops he i think this was a really really good get for the chargers i'm not excited to face him twice a year possibly three in the playoffs as a chiefs fan it's that is not not making me happy
2: Yeah, I think he's he's a perfect fit. Um, Obviously, like I said, I was more concentrated on people whose stock went up. I think he's going to have instant redraft value, and I think in Dynasty Leagues, there's a legit argument to saying that he's the wide receiver one in this class based on where he landed, and I think that given Keenan Allen and his age and then Mike Williams, he can kind of fill both of those positions if one of them were to miss a game, and I think he adds another dynamic, like you said, to that offense where they're going to be a scary outcome December and January.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I completely agree. My favorite landing spot, or one of my favorite landing spots, was also a fellow wide receiver. Um, he was the... Uh, Quinton Johnson was the 21st pick, am I correct? Probably. I'm getting lost in the weeds here, it doesn't matter. Um, my favorite wide receiver pick was Jordan Addison by the Minnesota Vikings. So, we everybody knows the Minnesota Vikings have Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the NFL currently, there is no discussion for it. Garrett, I don't care. Jamar Chase, he's not better than Justin Jefferson. Many years to prove it. It's just not right now. Um, so the thing that I like so much about Jordan Addison being in this offense is, yes, he is going to be the number two option behind Justin Jefferson. But if you think about it, Justin Jefferson is going to get double covered. Multiple times throughout games, this is going to leave so many openings for Jordan Addison to truly come out and shine. Um, a lot of the same things can be said um, about Jordan Addison that I said about Quentin Johnston. Um, the issue for me though is is that Quentin Johnston has a bigger frame and he's a little bit bigger um, of a receiver than Jordan Addison is, which can work in Addison's favor. Um, the other reasons kind of why I like him is Minnesota had six hundred and seventy-two passing plays last season. Care to take a guess at what number in the NFL they were? 1 through 32.
2: I'm going to say 4.
1: Nice, third most. Third most in the NFL. They also had a 66.7 completion percentage, which was fifth most, fifth most in the NFL. This team loves to throw the ball and right wrong or indifferent, however you feel about Kirk Cousins, the dude completes passes.
2: Yeah, I think that that's absolutely right. I think that a couple things, um, even to add on to that, is obviously even with the completion of the draft, with the drafting of Devon A. Chain to Miami. Um, The Vikings are still evidently toying around with the idea of trading Dalvin Cook, which I mean, I like Alexander Madison. I think that their identity is probably going to stay the same, but that could open up even more passing lanes for Kirk Cousins. Um, The only thing that I would say is interesting about Jordan Addison is I don't know that he's quite the same fit for that system that Adam Thielen was. I think he's a little bit different of a a wide Mm -hmm. receiver style. Not that I don't think that that'll work, Um, but I'm also interested. There was a lot of smoke about Kirk Cousins and whether or not the Vikings would move up to draft Hendon Hooker or someone of that nature. So from a long-term dynasty standpoint, I do worry a little bit about the quarterback position in Minnesota. Um, but I agree. I think that he was a big winner with, with the fit and the instant production levels that he can have in Minnesota.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I do agree with your take about Adam Thielen being a different type of receiver. Um, I'm looking more as Jordan Addison being just Devontae Smith. I think he can do kind of the same things that Devonte Smith does in that Eagles offense, um, while Justin Jefferson can pretty much do everything else. so <laughs> um, You've got another receiver here, Aaron. Talk to me about this next receiver you got.
2: I do, and as the uh, second person to fill out my submissions, I was really surprised not to see this uh, person on your list, actually, um, because my other um, favorite landing spot is for Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Um, well, hang on, Aaron. We all can't be Homers like you. I try to remain impartial and unbiased during this decision making. Hey, man,
2: as we're not all you. Just, just wait till later, man. The the Homerisms are gonna go <laughs> quite. I'm almost gonna flip the script completely once we get to the end of this. So stay tuned. Um, but with Rasheed Rice, I mentioned him last week. I think that he is an an uh, anomaly for what a lot of the SMU receivers have been lately. Um, though they play the air raid offense and they put up a ton of numbers. The SMU wide receivers of, of the last four or five years now haven't necessarily panned out in the NFL, um, but I think that Rasheed Rice is going to be the difference. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's a, he's a go-up-and-get-the-ball type of receiver, and I think that something that's interesting to keep in mind, even if you're not so sold on Rasheed Rice or the SMU wide receivers. Kansas City passed on wide receiver in the first round when they had a ton of options on the board, um, so I think the fact that they decided to go defensive end in the first round and take Rice in the second, shows just how high they were on him. The Kansas City depth chart is pretty slim pickings. I'm, I'm not putting anyone over, um, I'm not singling anybody out for not being able to be productive with Patrick Mahomes. I think that he's shown that he can do anything with anyone, which is a positive for Rice as well. And then, honestly, I think another point to, um, a point, to point out here is that Rasheed Rice was taken while Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs, These guys were all still on the board. And Jalen Hyatt Hyatt was somebody who was popularly mocked to the Kansas City Chiefs in the first round. And they said, nope, we're not going to take Hyatt. We're not going to take Hyatt in the second when they could have. And instead, they went Rasheed Mm -hmm. Rice. So I really like this landing spot. I think this puts him in the top five of dynasty wide receivers for this cycle. And I'm very interested to see what this looks like for the Kansas City offense.
1: Well, and you know, too, they traded up to draft Rasheed Rice. They traded up eight spots to draft him which I thought was really, really interesting. I wanted the Chiefs to draft a big-bodied receiver, and boy, oh boy, did they get him with Rasheed Rice. Uh, Rasheed Rice is that thats big boy going out there and catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. Can I ask you, too, a question? Please, Garrett. Thank you for interrupting me.
0: Yeah, um, so what do you think about the way that um, the Chiefs wide receivers produced last year as far as fantasy goes the only thing that makes me nervous about rice is the fact that patrick mahomes can evenly distribute the ball to all of his receivers he could throw to anyone and it's gonna work um so i don't know i i had an opportunity to draft him in my rookie draft and i passed on him simply for that reason
1: so i think that you pose a good point i do However, you have to understand and remember that Tyree Kill was also a massive focal point in that entire offense. Yes, Rasheed Rice is very, very different from Tyree Kill, but there is opportunity there to be a true number one, well, a true number two. Kelsey's is the number one um, in that offense.
2: Yeah, I I would tend to agree. I think last year, I'm not going to single out the Kansas City receivers for for not being great at football, but I would say that there was a lot of injury problems in that room last year. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster at this point in his career has solidified himself as not a wide receiver one, which I think he might have had that expectation going into last season. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, for as much as he can make a big play, he's twice as likely to make a big drop. And I think that – given the amount of like that they have for she rice um, to trade up and to go get him as well as the skill that I personally saw on, on film. I think that he's going to be something that Kansas city just straight up didn't have last year. And I think that that makes a lot of upside opportunity.
1: Yeah, no, Aaron, I, I completely agree with you. Um, and I think I saw something as well. There was something like 1200 yards that were vacated by um, Juju Smith, Schuster and Mecole Hardman, um, which if we're being completely honest, that all is not going to Rasheed Rice, but I do I do foresee him getting I I foresee him getting around that maybe seven to eight hundred yard threshold. I think that's very very reasonable for his rookie year.
2: I I, um, I think for him, I mean honestly, just being a receiver who if if he earns a starting job and he's on the field, even if he's got decent production, that's enough for him to be a top five wide receiver for dynasty purposes.
1: Yeah. All right. Enough about the Chiefs. People are going to start DMing me and whatnot about being like Aaron and being a homer. Um, So my next uh, one is Devin Achain, uh, the running back for the Miami Dolphins. Look, we all know that the Miami Dolphins value speed. I don't remember what the 40 times were, but there were like six players from the Dolphins that had sub 4-4 40 times, which is just insane to me. And Two of them were their wide receivers, and then one of them was their newly drafted running back. Actually, uh, Mostert was also on there too. So they've just got a lot of speed on offense. But the big draw for me for Devin and Chain is he's, he's very good. He's a very well-rounded back. He can catch the ball really well. He's got absolute breakaway speed. He can run between the tackles. He can run outside zone, do everything well. Um, and there are injury concerns atop the depth chart. So Jeff Wilson has only ever played – 53 of 81 career games. Raheem Mostert, 75 of 129 career games. So these guys frequently miss time. Frequently miss time. And it's not just small chunks of time either. It's large chunks of times. You give me one or both of those guys missing multiple games, Devin Achane is going to take control of this backfield, and he's not going to let go of it.
2: Yeah, I think that you hit the nail on the head there. He's going to be a very high upside um, individual, just as everybody is in that offense. He's a guy with his speed where it's it's one opening and he's taking it to the house, which has its value in fantasy. Um, the only thing that I would be a little cautious of with this position, as I alluded to earlier, for some reason, these Dalvin Cook rumors to Miami are still subsisting. And I, for some reason, I don't even know if I'm buying it, but that does make me a little leery um, given the position, but... Yeah, I think that they are loading up with weapons in Miami. Um, one that was just a little far-fetched for me to bring up in the sleepers um, sleeper section that we're going to get to later, but you kind of alluded to it as well, is they drafted a wide receiver from Stanford named Elijah Higgins, who, again, runs four fours, and they announced him as a tight end. So I think that you hit the nail on the head <laughs> with the speed as well. They are just looking to get fast to every position and... Devon A-Chain is that to a T.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also worth noting, too, that Mike McDaniel is probably one of the best offensive minds in football right now. Uh, He comes from that Kyle Shanahan um, coaching tree. I I truly, even if A-Chain doesn't become like a true running back year one— They're going to scheme him up. It's gonna it like that's just going to happen. He's going to get schemed. He's going to get the ball in the open field, whether he's running it or catching it. I don't know what they're going to do, but I am. I'm salivating at this opportunity. I actually tried to trade up to draft him in our rookie draft, and some guy didn't let me. Um, His name was Garrett. Um, But so
2: so, where are you looking to uh, to take a chain in in your rookie drafts? Give me uh, a approximate draft range. I was. Looking at
1: taking him at, I wanted to take him earlier. I wanted to take him at like the one seven. Um, he did fall to the one eight, one nine area. So that late first round, that's where I'm. That's where I'm very happy taking him. I'd even take him in the middle if it's a twelve team. Lead. So
2: are you looking to take him over uh, Zach Charbonnet and Kendra Miller? I would. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm gonna look forward to debating that at some point. But I, I do like the landing spot. Um, <laughs> So you heard it there first. You can consider him in the middle yep. of the first, and uh, Anthony cosines.
1: Yep, there we go.
2: All right, talk to me about Dalton Kincaid. So with this um, conversation, we're going to have an awkward transition into our least favorite landing spots. Um, (laughs) As you'll probably see, looking at my least favorite landing spots, Anthony's got two of his own. They would have been the same two that I have. I think they're clear in a way probably the two worst landing spots for fantasy purposes to deal with. So I kind of went with mine and decided to... Um, just really make a stretch out of my answers, which I'll do from time to time on this podcast. You'll find that out. But um, <laughs> with Dalton Kincaid, I made him one of my least favorite landing spots just because I had higher hopes. And I know that that's not exactly what we're talking about in this section, but with Dalton Kincaid going to the Buffalo Bills, I kind of like Dawson Knox in Buffalo, and I think that Josh Allen kind of likes him yeah. too. Um, He got a pretty good target share from my time watching the Bills last year. He's entering the second year of a four-year, $82 million contract. So Dawson Knox is getting paid. It's not like he's about to just leave the field. And ultimately, my my main reason for saying that he's not in my favorite spot is, again, I just think that there was a higher ceiling with Dalton Kincaid. And I think that with the Buffalo Bills, they have a lot of mouths to feed. I don't think that you're going to see him, obviously, taking targets away from Diggs or from Davis. Josh Allen's feet are always in the equation. And then I think Dawson Knox is going to be on the field. So if he accomplishes a 50-50 target split with Dawson Knox, I can kind of see it. But it's just probably not going to make the impact that I think that he could have had if he would have went to somewhere, I don't know, like the Detroit Lions or the Green Bay Packers or some of these more tight end needy teams where he could have a bigger role early.
1: Well, and I think, too, to your point, James Cook is also still there, and James Cook is a pass-catching specialist out of the backfield. Um, they do have Damian Harris, who is—I don't think he's as good at catching passes as James Cook, but I mean, Damian Harris is still there. They're still going to run the ball to a certain degree, and Dawson Knox was not super efficient last year. He, like, he, he got his looks. He got us a few of his touchdowns, but his efficiency metrics were not as good as a lot of people think. He wasn't even really that good in the red zone either. So that's also a concern for me as well, that Josh Allen's first read is not to the tight end, even down in the red zone. Um, Also coupling that with the fact that, you know, rookie tight ends perennially just don't do much for fantasy. I mean, think of Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is probably the best tight end prospect we've seen in years. And what did he do his rookie year? That's what you're trying to live up to, and I just don't think Dalton Kincaid is Kyle Pitts.
2: Yeah, and obviously, like I said, I'm putting him in my least favorite landing spots. He's probably still my tight end one for dynasty purposes, just because there is a ceiling and a potential where if all falls right with Buffalo. He's got an incredibly high ceiling. I just think it's going to be harder for him to reach it, and I'm a little bit more concerned with the landing spot with Buffalo than I would have been with a lot of other tight end needy teams.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. My first least favorite landing spot, I know that I mentioned it to both of y'all before, but I am not a big Zay Flowers fan. I didn't even have him in my top five. I'm just not I'm not bought in on Zay Flowers. And him going to the Baltimore Ravens truly could not have been a worse landing spot, in my opinion. Maybe the Titans would have been a worse landing spot, but like the Baltimore Ravens just have a super, super, super low-volume pass offense. They had a 61.5 completion percentage last year, which was seventh worst. Now, mind you, Lamar Jackson didn't play all 17 games. There was some Tyler Huntley in there and whatnot, but still, 61.5 completion percentage, that's very, very low. 19 passing touchdowns last year. 19 passing touchdowns. That was 13th worst in the NFL. And... Further, there were only 30 and a half first, they had a 30 and a half first down percentage, which again was the seventh worst. So that means that they only converted a first down when they were passing 30% of the time. That's low. That is low, low. And there's competition for targets. Rashad Bateman has Rashad Bateman has about the same draft capital as Zay Flowers. They were both drafted around pick 20. Um, but Bateman already has um chemistry with Lamar Jackson. Odell Beckham Jr got paid that monstrous contract that you and I talked about, Aaron. Um and Devin Duvernay's there who's kind of similar in a way to Zay Flowers, very speedy, very small, very kind of like elusive. I don't know. Yeah,
2: I mean I th- I think you might have missed the number 1 target even in that conversation. I th- I think the number 1 target in that offense is Mark Andrews.
1: You're right. You're correct. And I just I, I I was out on Zay Flowers before the NFL draft. I'm out on Zay Flowers more after the NFL draft.
2: Yeah, I mean, looking at it sensically for me, the Baltimore passing offense is one that you want to kind of just stay away from to begin with, unless you're Mark Andrews. I mean, last year, granted, they dealt with a lot of injuries. Lamar averaged 186 yards a game last year. So let's let's play this out for a second. Let's say he's fully healthy, has a fully healthy receiving core, do you see a world where Lamar averages much more than 250 passing yards a game?
1: No, not even a little bit I, because you have to understand, too, that Lamar's still running as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think 250 would be a, a decent estimate for what you could expect from that offense. And if you're telling me Zay Flowers is probably the target four and they're only throwing 250 yards a game, it's, it's just something that you can't get in on. And uh, – yeah, I mean, the Zay Flowers truthers are, are mourning right now, and I, I feel you because I don't even know if we're going to know how great of a wide receiver he could be in this offense, and, and that's unfortunate for the people who really believe in him, but it's a system play.
1: Yeah, it just it, like I said, there's, I don't know if there could have been a worse landing spot, maybe Tennessee, but
0: I, I don't know. I, I will say this, as, as a Bengals fan, seeing Zay Flowers come across the board there, it made me nervous, and I'm worried again as a Bengals fan that the Ravens are trying to get the ball through the air more with all these pushes that they've made for these wide receivers with OBJ and uh, now Zay Flowers. And there's rumors of, of some other people as well. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks. But that I think that could change. But uh, no, those are all really great points. They're, they've never been a big passing offense as long as Lamar's been there.
1: Yeah, and Lamar, one of the contingencies that Lamar was going to say after, or that he wanted to stay after he signed his deal or before he signed his deal was that um, he wanted more weapons. And credit to the Ravens, they did that. They got him more weapons, which in NFL terms is good. Like, it's a good, like, this is a good NFL landing spot, I think. It's a good NFL landing spot, but for fantasy, it is going to be atrocious, and I want nothing to do with any of it.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that uh, what Garrett was kind of trying to get at as another AFC North fan right here, I think what's dangerous about this is it's going to make you treat the passing game with a little bit more respect, which is going to open up the field that much more for Lamar in that offense. Yeah. Um, So am I afraid of him passing the ball more? No. But if you've got to respect their receivers, it's going to make you worry that much more about the open space and the lack of defenders, which is, like you said, is going to be good for football reasons.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, better NFL signing or better NFL draft than it was fantasy. Talk to me about your next one, Aaron.
2: All right, back to uh, Aaron's segment of – Very interesting takes that kind of fit the uh, segment. So the second fit for me.
1: I'm going to make that a new segment in this podcast. The
2: second least (laughs) favorite landing spot for me is one of my favorite wide receivers in the draft that I am borderline pissed that I have to see him on this team. Not just because I live in this city, but Josh Downs is an Indianapolis Colt. Absolutely bottoms out his value for me. Like, I just was frustrated to see it. I'm happy for the Colts. But looking into Josh Downs and his value, obviously, from the comments that we heard from the Colts this weekend, Anthony Richardson is probably going to be starting week one. And he's probably the most developmental prospect that we've had in a long time in the NFL. And the thing is, nobody's calling him a highly developmental prospect because of his legs. It's all arm. He was about 50% completion percentage last year at Florida. The passing accuracy is not there. And to draft a guy like Josh Downs, who's twitched up, slot receiver, runs routes, creates two feet of separation, and then needs the ball on him, I'm just not thrilled with that landing spot. Um, Not to mention going into Indianapolis. They've obviously got Michael Pittman as their wide receiver one. You've got Alec Pierce, who was drafted last year, who has a higher capital investment. He's a second-round pick. Josh Downs was not. And then they paid Isaiah McKenzie this offseason, who's also a slot wide receiver. So I'm not sure what Josh Downs' role looks like for the Colts. I think he could have landed a higher role um, if he would have landed somewhere like Green Bay, where I think he's he's good enough that he can get on the field and produce early. Um, But between Anthony Richardson and his developmental process, and then the wide receivers that are already in Indianapolis, I think this selection, unfortunately... Bottoms out his value for me and I'm really bummed to see that because he was one of my favorite prospects coming into the draft and I I hope that I'm wrong here.
1: You know what's actually interesting is I loved that the Indianapolis Colts drafted Josh Downs. I think that that was a really smart move by them, especially with Anthony Richardson coming in and they're expecting him to play week 1. They're giving him a target who is quick off the line and can get open Quickly, So that way Richardson doesn't have to go through a lot of his progressions. He can kind of stick with that early college, late high school type deal where you look at your one, your first progression target. And you're like, that's the guy that I want to go to. I'm hoping he's open because after that I'm running. And I think that Josh Downs really does that for Anthony Richardson. I do hear your points though. I do hear what you're saying, but I am a little surprised to see him on your least favorite landing spot list.
2: I mean, again, I'm, completely twisting the words of this segment I don't Josh Downs himself is not the problem it, it's just the fit for me I was disappointed to see it I, yeah. I think that you make a good point with him being a one read option for Anthony Richardson but unfortunately I mean this this is the NFL it's not college it's if they start latching onto that get your good two weeks of fantasy football out of the way and, and defensive coordinators will adjust
1: yeah no i I can see your point my last least favorite <laughs> landing spot was a guy that I was really really hopeful for that I, I I remember when this pick happened Aaron our group chat blew up so quickly Yeah, what are we and doing blown, here? What I, are we doing? It, it had been blowing up all weekend about all this but it's Zach Charbonnet of the Seattle Seahawks. I I I get it like Rashad Penny left in the offseason, he signed elsewhere. They needed a running back. But did you need to invest this much draft capital into a running back? <laughs> like, you just drafted Ken Walker. Ken Walker played 15 games last year. He had 11 games with higher than a 50% snap share, which means that he's going to be on the field a lot. Like, Ken Walker is the guy. Ken Walker had a fantastic year. It was it was great. He really hit his stride down the stretch. Um, I know that he got a lot of people into the fantasy playoffs. He, like... Ken Walker is that guy. So why would you go out and draft this super, super talented running back in Zach Charbonnet? I, I I just I couldn't really make sense of it. I get getting a depth piece, but Charbonnet's not a depth piece. He's a feature-back type piece, but you already have a feature-back type. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But there's a lot of people that get paid more money to figure this out than I do. So I'm just sitting here in a chair being a couch GM. Um... There is also, surprisingly, a pass-heavy offense for the Seattle Seahawks. So we always hear this thing about how um, Pete Carroll wants to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But surprisingly, they're more pass-heavy than a lot of people think. They had 425 rushing plays last year to 573 passing plays. In comparison, we all consider the Kansas City Chiefs to be one of the pass-heaviest offenses in the National Football League. Am I correct?
2: Yeah, I'd say that's fair.
1: Yeah, they had 417 rushing plays last year. So they had seven, I can't do math, eight rushing plays less than the Seattle Seahawks. So that that just goes to show you that they are more of a pass-first offense. They also led the NFL in completion percentage too, 69.6%. Darn near 70. They're a good passing team. They've got the weapons to do it. They drafted Jackson Smith and Jigbo. They have DK Metcalf. They have Tyler Lockett. I I don't know. I don't see it here. I don't see it here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that the best way that you can sum it up is that Seattle just does not want fantasy football players to have fun this season. I mean, (laughs) with this pick, one would assume that Charbonnet has to see the field, which might pull some of Ken Walker's value, like you said. I'm going to go ahead and throw honorable mention in here as well to Kenny McIntosh, a late-round running back that I thought had a chance to possibly do something this year too. The Seattle Seahawks decided to add him as well in the 7th. Um, yep. And then I mean it's the same thing that they did with uh, my boy JSN, and I think that he's a good fit there at wide receiver. But again, see, his ceiling's going to be a little lower in Seattle this season, and he's going to pull pull some from DK and uh, Tyler Lockett, and it might make their team better. But for fantasy purposes, Pete Carroll straight up said, "I just don't like fantasy football players," and that's yeah, he, what we got.
1: You he heard it here first. Pete Carroll hates fantasy football.
2: On to our sleepers
1: now. So, Aaron, do you want to cover both of your sleepers in one foul swoop, or do you want to kind of segment them? Because they're both from the same team.
2: Well, I mean, since they're the same team, let's let's go ahead. I'm going to start with my favorite story of the draft, and maybe it was just favorite story because it was my favorite moment and I liked him as a college player. Um, but one of my sleepers for this year is Chase Brown, the running back from Illinois that the Cincinnati Bengals drafted in, I believe, the fifth round. Um, he
1: beat up on my Wolverines this past year. Ch- Not a fan.
2: Chase Brown was absolutely incredible in college. I mean, he was putting up some of the best running back numbers in college football, and he was doing so at Illinois. Um, yeah. I don't have the exact stats to back this up, but I would go as far as saying Chase Brown might have been as valuable to Illinois as the entire Illinois offense for the last decade was. He was putting up numbers and touchdowns like crazy um great player his twin sydney also was drafted um sydney plays safety um and chase i mean he
1: played linebacker.
2: I, I mean it might be like a an, in the box matter. safety it but really regardless they both got drafted this year and chase brown i don't know if you remember the segment but when he drafted man he couldn't even like look up he was balling so hard like you could see the passion and and what the moment meant to him when he got picked it was it was incredible. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to go look it up on Twitter. Um, it, it was a genuine reaction. It was one that made you feel good regardless of what you what you feel about the player, the team that he's going to. Um, but I love the fit in Cincinnati. I mean, Samaj P. Ryan is gone. Joe Mixon's status is... Uh, we, I mean, we can ask Garrett. I don't know what Joe Mixon's status is. I don't know if anybody does right now. He's still on the team. Yeah. Um,
0: he's yeah, a. hang on. He's actually, a...
1: Garrett has an in to um Zach Taylor. He actually used to um he worked at the country club that Zach Taylor was a member at. So he's good friends with him. Actually, goes and hangs out with him on the weekends. Ain't that right, Garrett?
0: No, not not quite. Um, but what I will say is that Joe Mixon is strongly questionable for the season. I I didn't think that he was going to be around really um, after, uh, some off field issues this past off season, but, uh, here we are, uh, getting a little closer and a little closer to the season and he's, he's still around. So we'll see what winds up going on with him. Uh, I am very excited for the chase Brown pick though.
2: Yeah. And I mean, with Mixon, like, like you said, we don't know about what it means for this season, but I think even if, if, if Mixon is around this season, I think what's transpired this off season leads you to believe that the, uh, the light might be coming at the end of the tunnel for him regardless. Um, so I think for, for Chase Brown, even if he's the backup this year, they didn't bring anybody else in. They've got Travion Williams and they've got Chris Evans. Um, I'm not terribly worried about them as far as running back one goes. And Chase Brown, he's got the production. He did it at a school where it's not normal, that's for sure. And he caught 41 passes <laughs> in the last two years. So he's, he's an all-around back. I think he's got a good opportunity. And I think for a fifth-round pick and somebody who's probably going to be going in the third third fourth round of your dynasty drafts i think chase brown's a great value
1: yeah chase brown legitimately has feature back potential i think eve i think it would actually behoove him if he was the rb2 this year and he could learn a little bit behind joe mixon um, and kind of gel with that offensive line Uh, chase brown i could very much see becoming a problem for other teams in the nfl
0: yeah. And I mean, this Here's one thing to keep in mind. Uh, Joe Mixon is going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2025. So one way or another, his his time's probably coming up in Cincinnati while they're getting ready to pay players like Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, all those yeah. guys.
2: Yeah. And I mean, while you're potentially getting ready to pay T Higgins or potentially not, that's a great segue to my next Sleeper pick because evidently the Steeler guy over here is just in love with the Bengals draft picks and the value <laughs> that you can get with these guys. I'm glad that you're Garrett, starting to see the them. light. Um, oh, Garrett, I've, I've got it.
1: That. I'm gonna save that for the rest of my life and I'm gonna
2: use. It. <laughs> but when, when I mean Gus Johnson is one of the greatest announcers in college football. When you get a great Gus Johnson nickname, there's a reason. And so in steps <laughs> Chuck Sizzle, the wide receiver from Purdue. Chuck Sizzle, a.k.a. Charlie Jones, is my second sleeper. I think that looking at Charlie Jones, he had quite an interesting um, college career. He started his career at Buffalo, transferred to Iowa. Um, Is he a questionable decision maker? You could probably say yes from that. But from Iowa, he then goes to Purdue. He plays with Aiden O'Connell, one of his high school teammates, and he goes – comes out of nowhere and bursts onto the scene to catch 1,360 yards last year in 12 touchdowns. If that's not elite college production, I don't know what is. And then he tops that off by then going to the combine, running a 4-4-3, showing off a 37-inch vertical. And uh, the hype train kind of got serious then for his NFL prospects. And now he's on the Cincinnati Bengals, obviously. Um, I think this season... He's probably going to be the wide receiver four. Obviously, that puts him in a position. You know, you're un- you never want to say this, but you're an injury away at that point. Um, Tyler Boyd yep. is one of the more productive wide receiver threes in in the NFL. He had 83 targets last year. In the couple games Tyler Boyd missed, I found out Trenton Irwin was a football player. I'd never heard of him previous. But when he got on the field, (laughs) he was a product of the offense, and he became a a DFS-relevant player. And, I mean, I hope you didn't have to start him in a fantasy lineup, but Trenton Irwin became a name that you knew just by getting onto the field in this offense. And I think that the last thing that I've got for for Charlie Jones, I just wanted to point this out because now that we've seen some of these draft draft grades, I think this is insane. Last year in his one-year production at Purdue, he was the wide receiver one, everyone knew it. Purdue didn't have anybody else. Against Penn State and Joey Porter Jr., he went 12 for 153 in a touchdown. Against Syracuse, who had, again, a first-round DB named Grant Williams, Torres ACL, I believe he went in the third round, went 11 for 188 in a touchdown. Against Iowa, his former team who knew him well, 11 for 104. Against Devin Witherspoon, he went 4 for 66 in a touchdown. And then in the Big Ten championship game, in the biggest game of their season, he went 13 catches for 162 yards against DJ Turner.
0: So, Aaron, I'm getting, I'm getting chills, buddy. I'm getting chills. I can't wait to see this man play for the Bengals.
2: Did Did they win that
1: game though in the Big Ten championship?
2: They did not win that game. and No one expected no, them to. Who so we don't the, need to talk on, who about won that, that game, Aaron the university of michigan won the big ten yeah they did go blue but charlie jones won the hearts of the general american public throughout the season (laughs) thanks to gus johnson
1: you sound like you're running for president
2: (laughs) i'd vote for him honestly with this year's election um but anyhow (laughs) charlie jones is a great wide receiver i think that again um, I'm basing this a lot off of opportunity. I think that there's a real chance if they don't sign T. Higgins, a wide receiver spot opens up. Tyler Boyd's going into his age 29 or 30 season this year. Um, so he's, he's getting to the point where, you know, you're going to expect a little bit, bit of regression. And I think that uh, Charlie Jones is a buy low. He'll probably be available in the fourth or fifth rounds of your drafts. Um, put him on your team and see what he can do.
1: Aaron, I think you just made Charlie Jones a second-round pick.
2: Honestly, if you want to put me down impressive. for Charlie Jones in the second round, I'm probably good enough at fantasy football to make it work.
0: I'm calling That's him President Sizzle from this point on. <laughs>
2: President
1: Sizzle, there it is. It's
0: gonna be my oh new my Twitter gosh, bio. This
1: campaign was brought to you by Aaron Nyhart,
2: <laughs> leader of the President Sizzle campaign. <laughs>
1: My favorite sleeper, um, I did catch a little slack from Aaron um, for not having Keyshawn Butte here. I did talk him up last week, and I love Keyshawn Butte. And you know what? I love it even more that he went to the New England Patriots. I don't think – no, you know what? I know. I know that Juju Smith-Schuster is not a true wide receiver one. We saw it once he, once Antonio Brown left in Pittsburgh that he just couldn't live up to that wide receiver one potential. He went to Kansas City. He wasn't a wide receiver one there, and now he goes to New England, and we all of a sudden expect Bill Belichick to resurrect his career and make him this true number one wide receiver. I don't buy it. Keshawn Boutte comes in. I think that there is a true chance that Boutte becomes the number one wide receiver on that team. And I think that, I just think that there's, there's really not that much competition. Mac Jones is only going to get better, I hope. God, I hope. Um, and then Boute is actually going to shine.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree with you there. I think the the frustrating part and the reason why he went in the sixth round is it's all just between his ears, man. I don't don't know what it Mm -hmm. is with him. I don't know if it's a motivation or if it's a a dedication thing. Um, We saw what he could be his first couple years at LSU. He was, for a lot of people's um, money, probably the wide receiver one or two going into this season. Um, So, I mean, if you would have pulled a Jamar Chase and just not played, I think he's probably first or second round, even if he just sits the season out. Um, yep. So very interested to see what happens there. I'm not sold on hardly any of the Patriots wide receivers. And like you said, the opportunity is there. It's, you know, does he have sixth round odds of making it happen? We'll see.
1: Yeah. Yep. I, th- I think he could do it. But my true sleeper that I actually put down was Roshan Johnson for the Chicago Bears. So he's got minimal competition atop the depth chart. Khalil Herbert has just been a backup for his entire career. Now, I'm not saying that Khalil Herbert is not good. He has been he showed out when David Montgomery got hurt. But still, he could never beat out David Montgomery. And then in comes Deontay Foreman. Deontay Foreman's getting a little bit older. He's also only been a perennial backup. Again, stepped up when needed, but has never been a true feature back. Um, so there's not really that much competition. He actually came to Texas as a quarterback. Um, I don't know if you guys knew that he's super athletic. He's very good in pass protection. He's a good receiver and a between the tackles runner. This guy can do it all. He's he's a very very good running back. And the problem was is that he just got pigeonholed behind Bijan Robinson. I mean, I, I can't really blame the guy for playing second fiddle to Bijan Robinson. It's kind of a kind of a sucky opportunity. But what are you gonna do? I think he's gonna come into the NFL and he's gonna show the Chicago Bears. Why they drafted him, he's going to show everyone else why he should, deserves to be in the NFL. I think he's going to be a good running back. I think he's going to crack the, t- the number one spot on that depth chart before the season's over.
2: So you're calling your shot? He's going to be the starting running back in Chicago?
1: I do think he's going to be the starting running back in Chicago.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that that would be um, – it, it's in the cards of possibilities. I, I love Roshan Johnson as a sleeper. Um, like you said, he showed a lot, and I think that um, – I don't want to say he doesn't get the same shine, but I think a lot of people were excited about Darnell Washington because of the fact that he played behind Brock Bowers. And you're like, oh, he's six, seven. We don't know how he could actually do catching the ball. I think everything that people thought about Darnell Washington applies for Roshon Johnson. Like, we don't know what a full workload looks like for him he could have had all american numbers but we just wouldn't have known because of the amount of touches that Bijan robinson got last year and i think that something that really um attracts me to roshan johnson as a draft prospect for this year is with him not getting that run it's something that people bring up with running backs a lot there's not a lot of tread on those tires and
1: oh no there's not
2: i think that that provides its own um source of value for when it comes to him as a dynasty prospect where he doesn't have all those miles he's got a great opportunity and like you said there's not a lot that he can't do um so i think that knowing justin fields um as an ohio state fan i think that he fits a a great quality running back to match up with him and i i wouldn't be surprised i guess to see him as um a running back one by the end of the season but I, i do like khalil herbert as well i think that he's literally david montgomery with a different last name so i think that he's going to have a a solid career as well
1: yeah no and i can i completely agree with you roshan johnson only had more than 100 attempts in college one time and that was as a true freshman in
2: 2019 yeah i mean that's that's untapped potential to me and i'm excited to see what he can do in an nfl system
1: this man averaged by year 5.3, 5.2, 5.9, Five point three, five point two, five point nine, and then six yards per carry. That is unreal. That's un
2: shout out Big Twelve Real. defenses.
1: Yep, there you go. But <laughs> I don't know. I think it just. I think it truly does speak to Roshan Johnson. I think he has all of the potential to be a feature back. We're gonna see if he gets there. Aaron, do you have anything else that you want to touch on from this week, past weekend, from the draft?
2: Um, yeah, I want to voice um, some frustration um, just to a couple GMs for really just, I, I don't know what it was in the air, but these double dip draftings kind of irritated me. And I just wanted to see if I'm the only person who thinks that. I mean, obviously we touched on the Seahawks taking two running backs. Then the Packers went out and took two wide receivers and then the Packers went out and took two tight ends, which I don't know if that's a middle finger to Aaron Rodgers or what, but it's like they were a great tight end destination for some one, and then they took two. Yeah, then they took some two. And <laughs> that was just like, like, what are we doing here? Um, I like Jaden Reed as a prospect too, and then they went and took Dontavian Wicks, and just all this doubling up really had me confused, and yeah. I'm not a fan, and yeah. so I just wanted to say that.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm not a fan of, Aaron? When you called me out in our group chat because I trade too much. That is what I'm not a fan of. You said it was one of the biggest weaknesses to trade after a draft. And you know what? Not a fan. And I took that to heart. And I'm just letting you know that.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you've stuck with us to the 48 minute mark and you want to comment on our post, we're going to give you a shout out next week. As long as you answer the question. Whose side are you on? Team Aaron or Team Anthony? Because in my opinion, if you go through a redraft draft or a dynasty draft, I think it is the weakest thing that you can possibly do to immediately then go and try and hit the trade, the trade <laughs> block. Like, what are you doing? You just took the team that you wanted. No, no, no. Why no, do no, you no, need no, to no, trade? No, 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 no,
1: because the team that I wanted does not always fall to me. That's so you're just
2: ball. not good at drafting is what you're saying.
1: What are you talking about? Every player that I want is not always going to fall to me.
2: That but you should no still sense. like your no, team if you're no, going to drafting.
1: Not, you're backtracking now, Aaron. I'm not liking it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Please comment who you think is right, either me or Aaron. When we post it on our socials, we will make sure to post Everyone the Everyone who
2: comments gets a shout-out next week.
1: Everybody who comments gets a shout-out Unless shout you out pick
2: week. Anthony's side. Unless you
1: pick. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the Dynasty A team. We will be back next week. Thank you so much. Have a good night.
2: Have a great week.